Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hi there, it's Gina Gardner here and I'm joined as usual by my good friend Rachel Davidson and today uh, we have a genuine chat all about are you doing your best? Doing best. Um, and this arose out of a conversation that we had earlier um, around what is doing your best and mm. you know there's a, a real tension between um, recognizing that you are doing your best and not being judgmental yes um, and being really very critical of oneself yeah and on the other hand um, there are times when you know we're too gentle on ourselves and I'm doing my best is used as an excuse actually because you can't be bothered mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also it's so complex because you know how often do we stand in judgment of other people yeah um in terms of their behavior um you know a couple of the examples we we were talking about earlier is you know people who drive badly on the road and cut us up yeah or people who <laughs> much more serious who um, have children those children get taken into care but they keep having children um, and neglect those children not correcting their behavior yeah um, and uh, you know one of the examples that was used in a, in a talk by Brenny Brown mm -hmm. was where parents who were in fact having children and constantly going into care mm -hmm. were also selling the free milk and watering down of the milk suspicion, yeah. Um, yeah. And one has to ask the question, you know, having one child, which you may have because you're naive or because you've had an accident, is one thing, but having many children, each of whom doesn't thrive and gets taken into care, becomes something very different. Mm. So, so it was an interesting example that Breno, she yes. was um, some Russell Brown's podcast, um, if people want to go and find this whole discussion, but it was interesting because the scenario that was being talked about was was essentially the scenario where somebody continues to repeat an, an habitual behavior that is negative, that is not, is not adding um, any joy to the world, yeah? So, I mean, nobody's gonna be bothered if you're, if you're constantly repeating behavior that makes people really happy. <laughs> nobody's going to. But isn't it interesting <laughs> because we all indulge in habitual behavior? Yes. And for many people, that habitual behaviour is very negative. It's destructive, and it may only be destructive of them personally. Yes. In terms of their relationships, in terms of the um, the way they sabotage success at work and so on for themselves. Yes. Um, and I wonder whether is there a, a, a qualitative difference when those behaviours start to impact on negatively on others? Well, I think it's when you. When an example of somebody repeating a behaviour that is negative in whatever yes. way, um, I think that's when this question of do you think that they're doing their best becomes tricky. 
because there is an, an innateness within all of us, I think, to, to judge an imbalance. Yes. It feels, you know, the universe is meant to be in balance, and it feels wrong to be around those people who are constantly repeating negative, destructive, whatever, behavior. So, so you often find that people who are, you know, have, have compulsions, addictions. Yes. Um, people who are um, constantly dieting and then constantly putting the weight back on. Um, are often um, unfairly, but they are judged by society at large in some way for not doing the best. So I don't know, overweight people will often be spoken about as, well, why can't they just? It's, yes. you know, pe people think, yeah. um, uh, people, people innately feel that there is something wrong with that person. That because, they're weak-willed. Yes, you know, people who get depressed, for instance, and who on the face of it look like they've got everything perfect with their life. People will uh, jump to a judgment of, why can't you just be happy? Yes. You know, just cheer up. What have you got to be unhappy about? And there's not, um, there's not a great deal of compassion in those moments for the person's much more subtle, complex, very probably bringing baggage from, from history yeah. forward into the present with them. And there's not a lot of compassion for that. So this scenario that, that was being talked about, this family that were constantly repeating destructive behavior um, around addiction, um, substance and gambling, I think it was. And sort of the last thing on their priority list, these two parents were their children. They were being very heavily judged. And the discussion around it went, is that, is that right? Should, should they? The, the word that was used in judgment of these, this family was, I hate this family. It was a very strong yes. emotion that was, that was very described. pejorative. And that really got me thinking because the scenario was hateful. It, you know, the, from what we're told, devil's yes. detail, from what we were told, children were suffering at the hands of two adults who frankly should have known better and if they were capable, you see how judgmental and black and white I so begin to sound? They should have known better. I, yeah. um, in a, uh, previously, did a lot of work with one of the local councils looking at the interface between mm. children in care, foster carers and schools. Mm. Now, the statistics for kids in care are blood-curdling. Mm. You know, girls who are in care are 66 times, 66% more likely mm. to have um, children who go into care. Mm, yeah. Why? Because they've never had modelled for them what effective and good parenting looks like. Yeah. The boys are many, many times more likely to end up in prison. Yeah. But these children often, some of the examples were that they had been moved 17 times in a year. Yeah. That as soon as they made any sort of relationship, that they were moved to another family and another family and another school. Yeah. So when we make that judgment, they should have known better. Yes. It's a really interesting one because if they'd had the same um, experiences as ourselves, they should have known better. It, exactly. And that, that is the point. It's, it's kind of like standing in judgment of a blind person who can't describe the colour red to you. Yeah. It's like nonsensical. They're doing their best with the abilities that they have been yeah. given now i think we are and the reason that this becomes so complex is you have to set this as, uh, against the hope that people will learn to do things differently 
that there will be something that comes up in their life that will help them recognize that negative pattern of behavior, whether that's being negative to themselves. We talked about eating habits, for example. Yes. Looking after oneself, beating oneself up, yes. which are very common negative habits. Yes. Or as a, a parent um, of a child, when you've been through the care system, that you would want your child to have a very different, more positive experience. Okay, because that was the flip side of, of this sort of discussion about, you know, are, are these people yes. doing the best? And there was, it wasn't overtly stated, but there is sort of a bit of a whiff of, oh, so if somebody says, says to me, well, I'm doing the best, yes. does that mean I have to accept the kind of crappy behaviour that's coming my way? Do, do, do I have to just shrug my shoulders and say, oh, they're doing their best? Or... Is it judgmental of me to say, but I will not accept that behaviour? I think it's how you do it. Yeah. And I think with all of this, the devil's in the detail. The saying to other people that this is not good enough, um, you also need to, I think, at least provide the opportunity for them to develop the tools mm. to improve. Mm -hmm. Of course, they've got to be willing to engage in the process. But let me put it in you know, a different scenario in terms of parents. Many of the clients that I see, and this, this could be in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, blame their parents for their anxiety, their depression, the fact that they don't feel good about themselves uh -huh. because their parents were very critical uh -huh. um, or they didn't treat them according to the blueprints that they had that shows that I'm being loved. And we've all got a blueprint. We have a blueprint for so many things, our values. So I'll feel loved when somebody treats me in this particular way. But of course, the other person doesn't necessarily have the same blueprint. Yeah. And so there's a, a mismatch. Now, when I talk to those clients about, yeah, well, you know, your parents, given the um, emotional and intellectual and experience resources that they had, mm -hmm. were doing the best they could in that moment. Mm -hmm. It may not have been good enough for you, mm -hmm. but then you have a choice as to whether or not you let that colour the whole of your life negatively, mm -hmm. or you use that in order to become the best version of you. Yes. So you can use that negativity yes. to be an excuse, or you can use that negativity as a learning opportunity to take you forward into something that's much better. Yes. Yes, and I think I think it is really about um, understanding that that life doesn't give you scenarios that are easily black and white. Well, you wouldn't learn it so much if they were, would no. you? And also, life isn't linear. No. So. No. <laughs> so, so you know, setting setting an understanding, setting boundaries in one area of your life doesn't necessarily mean that every single area of your life is now operating yes. at its best. I mean, my daughter has a good example with um, one of her friends, you know, yes. many of them going through it, whose whose parents are breaking up, and her friend is obviously suffering a bit, and that is leading to to her friend being quite snappy when Esme yes. is attempting to empathise or sympathise because of course Esme's been through it too. And, um, and Esme feels quite hurt about this friend's behaviour. Yes. And her comment was, well, she, you know, she's not being a best friend, is she? No. In these moments, it's true. She's not. 
so so I said to her, well, you know, friend's name is probably trying her best, given the fact that she's probably having a great deal of time, a difficulty controlling her upset yes. and her fear of what's coming. Yes, but why does that mean I have to ha have her bite my head off? Oh, good point. You don't. You don't have to. You know, again, this comes down to, to choice. As, you know, I said, perhaps you could either try to correct her behaviour and have an argument over it, um, force some good behaviour on her perhaps, but she's probably not going to be capable of, of understanding. Not in that moment, at least. Or just interpret it as an, yet another attack and a fearful thing to do. Or you could simply, you know, hear her and say, this is grown-up language for, for a teenage kid to use, but basically, you know, I, I totally get it. I totally understand why you're feeling on edge and I totally understand why you've just written head off. It's, it's fine. I understand. You don't have to rip my head off. I'm just trying to be empathetic, but possibly a bit clumsily. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And just try to sort of have a bit of compassion for her in the yes. moment and hope that this friend will eventually, you know, all things pass. Work her way through it. Come through it, get to a more of an even feel, and then be back to being her best. You know, we never choose easy topics to talk about. <laughs> because, you know, when I think about, um, you know, the, all of the work I do with people is about helping them through um, challenges, helping them, and I often talk about being the best version of you that you can be. Yes, and in spiritual um, circles, you, you talk about being your higher self, you yes. know, reaching the higher vibrations that are closer and closer to spirit. So it is all about pushing upwards. But you've got to first of all be aware, yes, and then be prepared to put the work in. Yes, and very often people will look for an excuse outside themselves, yes, um, which lets them off the hook. Yeah. rather than recognising that whatever's going on, it's your choice whether you stay stuck where you are mm. or whether you um, make uh, adjustments in terms of your thinking, in terms of your actions, your language, yeah. that will move you forward. Yeah. And I think you know, we are very complex beings, aren't we? Mm. Um, <laughs> that it's one of the things that I hope that people will take away from listening to this is that recognising that in our judgments, mm. we're probably not doing the best we can or being the best version of us. At the same time, we don't have to be doormats. We don't have to put up with um, inappropriate, bad, damaging behaviour from others. And so mm. it is about setting a boundary but i believe it's about doing that with love rather than judgment i know for myself one of my being my best is maintaining healthy boundaries of yes what behavior i will and won't accept and people find that very very difficult don't they at times so some people on that end of that behavior yes. which is a very positive behavior for me may feel that that i'm not doing my best anymore Okay, so well, because always, you're not doing what they want in that moment. Yeah, yeah, because you know what is best is the subjective term, isn't it? And it's all about perspective and stuff. But but um, one of the key things that um, Granny was talking about in terms of, of being able to have that healthy balance was that in order to feel com greater compassion for your fellow human being you had to, or you were more likely to have got very healthy boundaries in your life. 
that you know behaviors that um, demanded a respectful interaction with most of the people that you know you interacted with um, from yourself and from them and in in having that sort of healthy stance that enabled you to be a much bigger giver I think that's very true but I think the compassion has to start with being compassionate to oneself. Yeah, well, I think you know, that's the act of boundaries. But not indulgent. No. And I think a lot of people get those two somewhat mixed up. Yes. They're being kind to themselves when in reality they are being indulgent, which is a very destructive um, way of behaving because it keeps you stuck in the very opposite of being your best higher self. Yes, yes. And, and that's true also of people who are happy to put up with bad behaviour. Well, they do it because they don't feel they deserve anything better. I, I, think, that, I think there probably is that going on, but, but the sort of the headline statement is, um, oh, well, you know, I, I love them and I want to do my best for them, so... Well, let me give you an example. <laughs> I was talking to, to, um, to someone last week and they... Um, they have a, a, a son who um, takes drugs and who um, is an abuser of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And he'll go through periods where he's very loving and very nice and then periods where he becomes very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, and at the age of 18, um, this person said to, to him, you've got to leave. Mm. because your behaviour is uh, having such a negative impact mm. on my younger children, your brothers and sisters, mm. and talks about it being one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing that she ever did. Mm. But she recognised that if she uh, allowed him to stay, that she was being complicit mm. in his addiction, mm. that she was giving him the opportunity not to take responsibility for himself. Mm. And, you know, that's an extreme example, but I wonder how often parents, partners, um, bosses become complicit in the very behaviours that they want to change. Yeah. And that they assume people are doing their best, when reality, I think very often, they're taking the easy route themselves because doing their best requires them to stand firm and to be perhaps unpopular in the moment and yes. do things which are very tricky. Yeah, that reminds me of the other aspect of Gwenna Brown's um, example, where she uses um, you know, an absolute higher power. She says basically to these people who are talking about um, their, their issues around believing certain people are doing their best. And she says, right, now you have to imagine that God comes down to earth and says to you very clearly, that person is doing the very best they can. And you cannot argue with God. Some people do. <laughs> but in this scenario, you cannot argue with God. He, okay. he, she, it, whatever your belief is around the higher power, has come down and said absolutely categorically, that person is doing the very best they can. Okay, so now you've got a dilemma because your belief is potentially that what they're doing is very wrong. Not the very best. Yeah. But they're damaging other individuals, you know. So what does that say to you? If, if, the, if the universal law is every single person on this earth is doing the very best they can, what does that mean? And I think the message is, 
look to yourself first. Yeah, always. Because you have freedom too in this scenario. You have freedom to say, I don't like the behaviour of that person over there, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and, and believe the high power that they are doing the best that they can. But that doesn't mean to say that I can't go and do something that is a better version of me. So for my scenario, it was, I need to put in place boundaries. That needs to be the best I can be. I'd like to add some, a couple of things to that. The first is, I think that, that people are doing the best they can in that moment yeah. with that set of, of the baggage that they bring. Mm. And so from, uh, from my perspective, one of the things that comes out of that is, yeah, you put, bound, you put boundaries in there. I think that's important. But at the same time, you offer the opportunity for those people to have a different experience, to learn, yes. to be a different version of themselves. Yes, to, to yes, you give them the to opportunity the to learn and to yeah. recognise that um, that their the way of operating um, isn't appropriate, mm. and that there are better ways of doing it. Mm. If they still continue, or even right from the beginning, I do believe you have a moral obligation to protect those who can't protect themselves. So whether that's the children or the, the animal or whatever, yes. that you take it out of that toxic environment yes. and you do the best to make sure that that child, if we're talking about a child, doesn't repeat the patterns. Mm. So uh, one of the things I have real issue with is that I believe that for the youngsters, the most vulnerable of our society, are taken into care and not always but very often I think they are abused by the system yeah. and instead of those children being given a, a different a, an opportunity to see that love and compassion and care um, can be theirs and that they deserve it mm. they often feel neglected unheard unseen mm. with great reason mm. that's probably the theme for a different discussion so, you know, as we're coming to the end of this discussion, I want to ask the people who are watching this, what's the best you can do? Are you your best self? Are you limiting yourself to the how you are now? Most of us stay in our comfort zone. Yep. We do what we've always done. We, we operate habitually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the purposes of these, of these programs is to raise awareness. Mm. Now that's not to raise awareness for people to beat themselves up. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but to recognize that however good we are, however um, able we are, however many skills we have, I believe there's always the potential to be even better. The presupposition that you don't have to be bad, but actually you can build on that. You can yeah. go deeper. <clears throat> and for me, the work is always about what you're going to do working on yourself rather than looking for somebody out there to solve it to fix you mm. you're not a victim unless you choose to be yeah. you know, if you're going to write your own life story and we're both authors you know if you're going to write your own life story then doesn't it make sense to make yourself the hero or heroine and that's an interesting point because it's much yeah. easier to, to, Hence to, to judgment. Look, look at other people and say, oh, they're not doing it right. Uh, <laughs> would love to know what you think. Please let us know through the Facebook um, group and genuinely you.
But I'd like to leave you with the um, opportunity to take up um, the genuinely used seven-day happiness challenge. Mm -hmm. Most people would like to feel happier, and it gives lots of tips and ideas and principles for you to live a happier life. But I think when people are living their happiest life, then they feel they're doing the best they can, aren't they? I so think that's very true. So you'll find the link below. Um, go and do the happiness challenge and spread a bit of happiness. Get other people to do it too. Yes. Now, both of us are authors, that like I just said. Uh, Rachel's written The Point of Me, and her second book called The Truth of Her is uh, soon to be published. You'll find my latest book, we're both international best, uh, uh, number one international bestsellers, which we're very proud of. But you'll find my latest book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways, Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. Um, you'll find that on the website. But I want to leave you with you know, my call to action, my suggestion to you is go and sign up for the Happiness Challenge. Seven days will cost you nothing but a little bit of thought and a little bit of time. And there'll be something there that will help you be even happier. So thanks very much and we'll see you next week. Bye. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.